The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. The perfect hire can have an impact on your business for years to come. So when you need to find that next person to help grow your business, LinkedIn Jobs will match the right talent with your open role fast. LinkedIn has over 675 million members worldwide. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability. LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job post in front of qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. That's how LinkedIn makes sure your job post is seen by the people you want to hire. People with the skills, qualifications, and other interests that will help your business grow. It's no wonder a person is hired every eight seconds on LinkedIn. And why companies rated LinkedIn Jobs the number one hiring platform for delivering quality hires. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash team. Again, that's linkedin.com slash team and get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. All right, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. So me and Andrew got super excited like the rest of you watching Saints Falcons from 2006 on ESPN last night and Andrew said look I'm going to track down Jonathan Goodwin and Mike Carney and I'm just going to text them until they agree to come on because they don't have anywhere to go and they don't have anything to do Uh, and they're going to come on and talk about 2006 I said Andrew go for it and sure enough Jonathan Goodwin is joining us now Jonathan before we get to 2006 and your memories of that how are you surviving being on lockdown in your house uh, it's definitely a, <laughs> an experience I thought I would never experience, but, you know, I keep telling myself, uh, you know, things could be much worse. Uh, so, you know, I'm just, I feel like I'm blessed to be able to, you know, to be here with my family, my three boys, my daughter and my wife. And, you know, we're, 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 we're getting through, you know, I'm just, you know, I, I can't, we're anxiously awaiting, you know, for things to get back to normal, but. You know, never in a million years I would think in the past, what, 27 days, the only place I've been is the grocery store. I would have never imagined that. But uh, <laughs> like I said, things could be worse. So uh, that's what I keep trying to tell myself every time I uh, want to go crazy. Well, yeah, my son uh, is nine and my daughter is six. You know, they're starting to get into activities, Jonathan. And, uh, you know, I, a lot of times my friends that don't have kids ask me what it's like. And I say, you know, at this stage of parenthood, it's it's like being an unpaid Uber driver is basically <laughs> parenthood. And uh, but you you've got three very active boys, um, especially and I know they're really in the sport. So uh, I asked you before we came on, but instead of being an unpaid Uber driver, are you now more just like an unpaid trainer? Yeah, the boys have uh, definitely found a note, another way to keep me working. Uh, you know. Like you said, uh, all three of them are very active in sports. So uh, usually in my house, all, all, almost every day of the week, there's a kid's sport. sport. Uh, somebody has to go to practice or a game or something. 
And now, since, you know, they can't have those uh, games or practices, they always come into me, Dad, take us outside and work us out. Dad, I want to go run a mile, which I can't run a mile, so I'm definitely not doing that. But, you know, I've uh, they've helped me, uh, I guess, work on my coaching skills because uh, usually just about every day they want to go in the backyard and have me put them through some drills. They, they say we want some NFL drills and things like that. And, you know, my kids, uh, my oldest is a receiver and a de- defensive back, and, my uh, 11-year-old played running back and linebacker this year. And, you know, I know, you know, I didn't play those positions. So usually, you know, I have to get creative. And, you know, when I'm coaching them during the season, the only thing I can tell them is don't be soft. Well, I think you're selling yourself a little short because I know that uh, first Saints fans may not know this, but uh, in your retirement, you, you may have been an offensive lineman and a center uh, and, and you have to have a certain size to, to be that position. But uh, now, now you look more like a running back or maybe a, a small tight end. Um, so <laughs> uh, but uh, so uh, getting into this game, I actually I wanted to ask you, like even leading up to this game before that, um, kind of going through free agency just why why would you come to new orleans at the time that you did in 2006 you know katrina had happened and it was hard to find a home you know and and the, everything was destroyed and so i mean that free agency class was incredible i mean you had drew you had fujita you had you uh but what why just kind of talk maybe a little bit about like what what mm-hmm started the decision to come to New Orleans? Uh, well, Doug Marone was my uh, offensive line coach with the Jets. You know, Doug, uh, that offseason, came to New Orleans to be the OC and the uh, uh, offensive line coach. So originally, you know, I f- flew up and had a meeting with the Jets because we were coming off of a lockout that year. Uh, I had a, I believe, yeah, that was the year of, a, of the owners locked us out for like a week. Um, so I had that meeting, you know, went up there and, you know, I, I felt like, you know, that wasn't the place for me anymore. Then I had a visit set up with the Washington Redskins. And, uh, then I get a call from Doug, Doug and, uh, Terry Malone, who was the, uh, tight ends coach with the coach Payton's uh, initial staff. And, uh, Terry was my offensive line coach at Michigan. So they told me they wanted me to come in for a visit and they actually scheduled my visit, uh, they, they kind of jumped in front of the Redskins visit when they found out I had a visit with the Redskins. So I, I came down, you know, uh, you know, I got to see some of the devastation and, uh, you know, it, I would be, I wouldn't be telling the truth if I didn't tell you it was a concern. And uh, I didn't know which, you know, much about coach Payton at the time. Uh, so, you know, I was a little concerned, but the meeting went well and uh, they wanted me to sign before I left. But my agent told me, no, get on the plane and go to D.C. So I ended up uh, leaving straight from New Orleans and uh, going straight to D.C. for that visit. You know, met with those coaches uh, there. I think, that, yeah, at the time, uh, Joe Gibbs was uh, was the coach with the Redskins. And it's, it's funny now because my oldest son and his grandson uh, go to school together. But I, uh, you know, I just felt a better connection with Doug, Coach Payton, and uh, Terry Malone. You know, I just, you know, they made me believers. It's just like, you know, a lot of the guys that came in with that 06 free agent class, you know, Coach Payton and, you know, Mickey Loomis and everybody, they they, they did a great job of making, making us see what their vision was. And, you know, uh, I, I think they, over the last, what has been almost, what, 14, 15 years, I think they they've proven that their vision was uh 
it was it, it was a, a great vision, and they've done a great job of executing and uh, turning the Saints into a perennial contender. Well, I mean, okay, so you look at your career, though, and I think a lot of Saints fans don't realize this, or maybe they don't remember, but as big of a Saints legend as you were in as, as many of these iconic games where you were the starting center for the Saints, you actually you were a backup for two years. You, you didn't play much. Uh, I mean, you got a couple spot starts the second year you were there, but you really – and I, I kind of forgot this. I, I you know Looking back at the lineup of that 2006 game, I, Jeff Fain was the center. I mean, he was a very good center, and mm-hmm. there, were not, there were not a lot of injuries – uh, when you look at Jamar Nesbitt and Jari Evans, I mean, they were durable guys. And so you didn't get a ton of playing time until your third year. And so it really took you some time to uh, show your your value and your worth and, and that you were trustworthy through a couple training camps and preseason and just little spots here and there where you can play. Uh, so maybe just talk a little bit about kind of that to where you were in 2006 mm. and around that time mentally and what it took to kind of get to a point where you eventually became the player you were yeah uh it's funny uh about me not you know starting in uh 2006 last night watching the game my wife was like uh babe why aren't you in the game i was like you don't remember (laughs) (laughs) i didn't start the uh first uh two years or so uh so but you know when i came in as a free agent um you know truthfully you know i was coming in as the uh my last year in New York, I was the uh, backup center guard. You know, I was drafted as a guard in New York, and uh, but I really only played center like maybe twice in a game. So when I when I got to New Orleans, I was still kind of still learning the position and uh, building up confidence in the position. And then you know the Saints ended up uh, acquiring Jeff, which like you said, Jeff was a great center also. So you know. I was blessed in New York. I got to play behind uh, Kevin Mawai, so I got to learn from him. And then when I came to New Orleans, I got those a uh, couple years to, uh, you know, learn from Jeff. And one thing about that I really learned from Jeff was, you know, how passionate he played the game and how he, he, just his his will. That was something I really picked up. And Kevin was the same way in New York. So, you know, I was blessed to be able to observe two, 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 two great centers, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, that was really beneficial for me. So, uh, you know, I just kept working, kept plugging away. And then, you know, in 07, uh, I know Jeff got hurt and I got to start a couple games and played well. And then I think that really, uh, you know, let Doug and uh, the coaching staff and everybody in the, uh, in the organization know that they, you know, that I could uh, handle the center position. Yeah, it's crazy when you, you think about so many Saints. You know, a lot of times it's just getting the opportunity. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing about the NFL, you know, yeah, it's, you know, some situations, you know, you just, you need to be able to prove yourself. And fortunately, when I uh, got the opportunity to prove that at center, I was able to, uh, you know, I, I was drafted as a guard, but, you know, I, I wish I had started playing the center position a lot earlier in my career. Uh, Jonathan, I wanted to ask you. The Saints players on the 2016, like Fujita and other ones, have told stories about how just brutal that camp was. Do you have any memories of that 2006 training camp? Yeah, everything you've heard about it is true. It's uh, (laughs) (laughs) by far the uh, worst experience I've ever had in football, especially in a training camp venue. You know, just the, the heat 
the the daily, you know, we, we were pretty much in pads for almost five weeks straight. And, uh, you know, you know, as a football player, you know, we're always complaining uh, <laughs> about having to be in pads and working. But, you know, somehow, some way we always go out there and get the job done. But that camp really set the tone. I think for the organization and uh, Coach Payton had a vision, and you know, I, us going away, you know, kind of being away from uh, everything and you know having to work like that. I think he kind of, you know, found found out who was going to buy in and who wasn't, and it kind of, uh, you know, was a, a key moment for the organization. But you know, <laughs> I still to this day sometimes wonder, uh, you know, how how did we make it through that camp? Did- did you guys feel like 2006? Because as fans, me and Andrew have talked about it. The team, they y'all didn't look good at all in the preseason, and at times we were like, "Oh my God, this is not looking great." How did the team feel coming out of camp? You know, I I can't say. You know, we actually I don't remember. You know, us really talking it talking about it amongst each other, but I do. You know, I I do think, you know, in my mind, you know, I kind of wonder, you know, the preseason game against Dallas, here it is, I believe that was the third, or, or was it, it was Dallas, or? It was Dallas, Dallas, yeah. Indianapolis, where we didn't have a really good preseason game, so, yeah, to come out, coming out of the preseason, I can't say we necessarily felt confident, <laughs> but then you go to Cleveland, you win, okay, but then I think the second week, we went to Green Bay, and won in Green Bay, so I think, you know, that kind of showed us a lot and you know obviously back then you know we knew drew was a, a good quarterback but when you you know he turned out to be a great quarterback when you have a great quarterback if you can protect him and uh you know get some somewhat of a little bit of running game you got a shot and uh i i i think that is what happened you know after those first games and then obviously we come back to uh to the dome against atlanta you know and Obviously, we were going to do everything in our power to take care of this. Even watching the game last night, <laughs> that offense is—it didn't—it doesn't look like the offense we see today. So I think no. we were still evolving, and you know, we just—you uh, know—Coach Payton just kept evolving the offense, and now you, you know you see, you know, his vision coming to fruition. Well, let's let's talk about that game, Goody. So. I've been to many Saints games over the course of my life that were really loud. I mean, I, I Saints Bears when the Saints were seven and zero in the Moore era, and Morton Anderson hits a sixty yard field goal. I remember it being deafening then. Uh, Hakeem drops the ball in the first playoff win in two thousand. I was at that game too. That was very loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was there for two thousand nine NFC Championship. That was extremely loud. Uh, but I was also at the Gleason game and I, I, in my experience, you know, going to Saints games all my life, every season, I would say that the Gleason game for me was the loudest it ever was. Would you agree with that as a player? Yeah, I agree. I think it would be motion city that night. You know, everybody was passionate about the game and just, you know, with everything that the organization and the fans and the whole state of Louisiana went through the I think uh, you know it's just it was just one night to let loose, and people ask me all the time what it's like to play in the Superdome, and I I tell them all the time when when things are going well, it's like a big party. <laughs> so if you, you you know New Orleans is known for you know having good parties, and uh, you know I, I I think 
people, you know, people always talk about they got the best fans, but you know, I I don't know of any. I don't believe any other fan base is as passionate about their well, team as the Jonathan world. Thomas Morstead said. Told us last week. He said he misses kicking off because it's his favorite thing to do is to kick off after the Saints score a touchdown because the Superdome is loud and drunk and everyone is dancing and he 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 misses it tremendously. Yeah, it's an experience, you know. Uh, I, I I can't remember what year they started playing the Yin Yang Twins song, but it seems like after that started, it just it got it it, it got even more uh, amazing. So it's a uh, it was a it's experience like no other. Uh, you know, it's it's it almost has a little bit of a uh, uh, maybe like a the almost like a college feel to it, where the fans are, seem so much more in, invested than the, you know. I I've played in just about every pro stadium, but I, I think no no stadium has anything on the Superdome. Well, I, you you've experienced Michigan, so uh, if if you're saying that, it's uh, that's that's a testament. And uh, you know, for you Saints fans that didn't know, actually, Goody played with uh, Tom Brady in Michigan, uh, so you you've played with some good uh, quarterbacks. But uh, Jonathan, I guess uh, before I let you get out, um, kind of a parting thought that I, I just wanted to get from you is, you know, obviously in that game, you, you weren't in New Orleans during Katrina, but I mean, at the time, I mean, even even during that game. New Orleans was still very much in a state of disarray and repair. Um, but at that point, I mean, you were just kind of a, a backup offensive lineman just trying to make it in your career, and you weren't established yet. And, I mean, looking looking back now, you're, you're a beloved member of the, of the New Orleans community. You're a Saints legend. Um, you know, at the time during that game, you, you look at players like Deuce McAllister. I mean, he was established. He had been there for a long time. But since then, you, you've made a Pro Bowl. You've won a Super Bowl. You, you left. You came back. Um, I guess now, like, looking back on that moment, has that changed your perspective at all? Or do you look at it differently than maybe when you were going through it? Uh, yeah. I mean, even if you look at that whole 06 class, uh, free agent class, a lot of us, you know, were a big bunch of qu- uh, question marks uh, in, at that time. So, you know, I, I, I think that's another special thing about it. We all got there. We knew our situations, uh, you know, weren't guaranteed. And, you know, we just worked. Uh, you know, I, it's definitely coming down to New Orleans and, you know, leaving New York, I, I think, was the best decision of my career. And uh, signing with the Saints, you know, I, 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 it was definitely the best decision in my career. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful for it. I'm glad I was able to make the right decision and uh, it's something that I, uh, I'm a decision I'll never regret. And uh, I'm glad I made it. And, uh, you know, New Orleans, New Orleans would always be a special place to me. And, uh, you know, I'm just blessed and glad I was able to be a part of it. All right, Jonathan. Well, we appreciate the time given us today and stay safe out there. And I'm sure we'll talk to you down the line, hopefully when football, hopefully starts in the fall on time. All right, anytime, guys. Thanks for having me, and you all stay safe and uh, look to talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Goody. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming. And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. 
Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today 
with Bite. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. All right, everybody, we talked to Jonathan Goodwin about the 2006 Saints-Falcons game, but now... We're joined again by friend of the show, Mike Carney. And Mike, your perspective on 2006, I think, is really interesting because you were one of the mainstays of the team, but you were a holdover from 2005, and you sort of completely understood the experience of practicing in a parking lot and then going back to the Superdome. So what was that sort of like for you? Oh man, it was it was uh well you, you I think you guys have seen the picture. I mean that, that's that's why I was so emotional that that, that night. You know, it all kind of came to a head. Um, just all the emotion and uh, it was everything you remember from that 2005 year. You know, uh, as far as packing up, heading out to uh, to California to play our last game against um, Oakland in the preseason 05 and seeing homes and 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 people boarding up their houses and uh you know one-way traffic out of town going west no one going downtown it was just surreal and then to find out that you know our flight was like the last flight out of out of the airport that day and then to land and then see the devastation turn on the tv and get in the hotel room and be like oh my gosh like i I don't you know it's just something that you never would imagine going through and then like you mentioned you know not knowing where we were gonna <clears throat> excuse me not knowing where we we're gonna gonna be you know after that game and when we fly to san antonio and and then you know it's just up in the air we have no idea then we find out we're gonna stay in san antonio and then we just you know make our home out of the alamo dome and then you know i think we moved out of the alamo dome probably five or six times because there was events that came in and we'd have to move out um, and then moved back in. I, mean, we, I remember practicing at a in a parking lot. I remember practicing at a high school field. I mean, I we we practiced one place, but I had to get dressed at another place. Um, and then you know every road every game was a pretty much a road game. I mean, we played three home games in the in the Alamo Dome. There we played we played uh, some in Baton Rouge, um, and then we played that one that that one game in, in New York that was supposed to be a quote-unquote home game but it, it, every game just felt like it was we were on the road and um, <clears throat> you know we were at a disadvantage and we had a pretty good team that year we came out and how did y'all win beat three games? the week one yeah we, we came out and beat carolina week one yeah. and, but anyway so just all of the all of those i mean i remember that year probably better than any year in the national football league 2005 and i think 
you know, rewatching last night's game, it just brought back all those emotions and just things that, you know, not just what we went through as a team, guys, but what, what you guys went through, all your families went through, all the people of New Orleans and the Gulf, the Gulf Coast, what they all went through. And then, you know, to come back and to, to be able to do it like we did that, that, that night was just so special. Yeah, well, we talked to Goodwin, and you know he he was a free agent, so you know a lot of yeah. these guys, um, you know, in '06, you know they they were there for the first time. There was so much. I mean, there are very few guys that remained from that team, like you and Deuce and Joe Horn. But I mean, you mentioned that picture with you and Ernie Conwell, and I yeah. I, I mean, man, every time I look at that, I get goosebumps because it's just it's an it's a really is an iconic picture because you're you're this beast of a man i mean you're a fullback the most pow- powerful player but yeah. and yet you're you're just brought you're overcome with emotion and and it's just it's such a powerful picture do you remember that moment and do you remember maybe yeah. what er- ernie conwell told you you know what I, I think yeah, i do i mean i remember he just put his arm around me just saying it's okay man it's good. We're okay. Like, you know, we, we won and I love you. It was just, he was just, he, 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 he knew I was having a, having a moment, <laughs> you know, it was yeah. a, but he was, he, you know, Ernie and I have a history together. Ernie and I are from the same hometown. We're, we're, we're about 10 years apart. We both went to the same high school. We both played for the same high school coach. And he was kind of like that, that guy at your school, right? That you kind of dreamed of, of being like, you know, he's the first guy to make it to the NFL from our high school. So, you know, so you add, you add Katrina in 2005, you add the, the reopening of the dome, you add in winning the game. And then you add in, I'm looking at, at a guy that I idolized growing up, you know, from my hometown. And it just, man, it just, emotions just, just overcame me. And I, 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 I remember sitting there and then he just kind of, he, he scooted over to me cause he saw me losing it. <laughs> and, uh, it really was uncontrollable. I remember coach, uh, Bonamego, the special teams coach coming up to me, giving me a, you know, a slap of the head and just, you know, you know, saying you love me, you know, and then, and then, uh, I remember, uh, in the locker room after I just still uncontrollable, you know, I couldn't control my emotions and coaches talking. And, uh, I think I posted that video last night as well. Just, just completely losing it. A lot of people want to know what, what was it? Why, why, what were you crying about? Was it about the moment or something else? It was completely about the moment. It was not about anything else. It was just a bunch of raw emotions coming out that I just, I really couldn't stop. Mike, was there a sense in going into that game that because I know y'all had won the first two games, so you were obviously feeling good. Mm-hmm. Was there a sense early in that game that y'all were like, "This is this is our night. We're Atlanta. You got you guys. You got no shot. We're the we're the Globetrotters, and you are the Generals tonight." Was there yes. was there that sense yeah, early? Yes. Yeah, we 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 had that focus all week. You know, uh, we practiced in the Superdome twice that week just to get used to the being back in there get a feel for the turf and all that stuff. And we, they, there was, I would say, you know, there's a lot of tension, not bad tension. There was positive tension, but there was tension because we wanted to win the game so bad for the people and for the city and for the fans. Uh, it, it, there was, I think there was more pressure for that us to win that game than any other game that year, to be honest with you. And, um, you know, we knew walking out, seeing that the stadium was completely full during pregame, uh, and, and then seeing some old teammates like Wayne Gandy was on the a teammate of mine who you guys know played for the Saints. Yeah, uh, he was on the, the Falcons that team that year. Um, Ashley Ambrose was a was a was like a 
an assistant at that time for the DBs. You know, he was a coach helping out. I mean, we saw that we saw some of these old faces during pregame, and they they their eyes were wide. They they knew that the the Atlanta Falcons knew that they were there just to show up, <laughs> and that this was not going to be their night. And you rewatched that game last night, guys. Algie Crumpler drops a touchdown pass. Michael Jenkins. I mean, he drops a, a t- touchdown pass. Obviously, they, they call p- offensive pass interference. There's so many things in that game that happen. You know, the sack fumble by Vic early that should have been a scoop and score by Brian Scott, but it goes out of bounds. And the next play, Steve Gleason blocks the punt around the world. There's so many instances in that game, guys, that you go, wow, this was meant to be. This was what it was supposed to This is how it was all supposed to play out and how, how great it, it was to do it the way we did it. Well, yeah, I remember me- meeting you for the first time, Mike, that year. Um, it, you, it was still in training camp, so it was before the regular season started. Oh, but Lord. I remember you, you, you were at Whole Foods, and I ran into you at Whole Foods. And at this time, at this point, I'm like a 25-year-old, so I'm like, yeah, it was the coolest thing ever to meet a Saints player. And Was I, yeah, was I nice? <laughs> you were so nice. I mean, so okay, approach- yeah. you actually stopped and took like a good five minutes to just chat, uh, which is great. Uh, but... I remember asking you, I was like, hey, I want to meet Saints players. Like, where where do you guys go out and party? And I remember oh, you telling Lord. me, go go to Republic. You'll find a Saints player there. Oh, so yeah. I went th- I went there that night, and sure enough, Reggie Bush was there, and I got to meet him <laughs> because of you. So <laughs> so thanks for that. Yeah, um, Republic or Fox and the Hound right there. That's right. Better. Yeah, <laughs> those, those were the spots. Um, but, no, I mean, I, I'm with you. Like, watching the game, you know what's crazy is it really does feel like two eras because you look at all – there are so many Saints icons in that game. And, I mean, you look at the legends from the Hazlitt era. I mean, you had you, you had Deuce, you had uh, Steve Gleason, Will you Smith. had Joe Horn. Um, but then, you know, you also had guys that weren't even – that would become great but weren't even like Lance Moore, Jonathan Goodwin, Zach Streif. Yeah. Like those were young guys that just had, hadn't really – they were just backups, you know. And then you had guys that had just been signed like Drew and Scott Fujita and, the, the, and Scott Shanley, guys that were there for the first year that were established starters. But that the legend really kind of started with that year. So, so many different personalities from different eras. Um can you maybe just talk about that group and what just watching yeah. that game, the memories that came back from that? Yeah, we just, you know what, you mentioned all those, all those great names. I mean, people don't, I don't think a lot of people remember, maybe a lot, maybe some do. Lance Moore was on the practice squad in 05, so he actually went through the Katrina. Um, he was in San Antonio with us. He was on practice squad, though. He wasn't even, he wasn't playing games. So he kind of, he kind of has a sense of what it was like. I mean, he wasn't having to get on the plane every week and fly and do all that stuff. But he, he he was there. I, um, you know, he always he became more of a, a you know of a of a centerpiece of a, of the team in 06, obviously. Um, but it was just the right mix of guys. They, you know, the, the front office and, and Sean did a great job bringing. Like, you look at Mark Seminole, you look at Shanley, Fajita. They're all just lunch pail guys. Hollis Thomas, right? Huge comedian, the funniest guy in the locker room. But the guy was a hard worker. The guy was a football player, and he was a lunch pail guy. And it was just the perfect concoction of guys. I mean, it was a perfect mix of the, the type of hard work, old school guys. It was, you know, the, the like you said, the Hazlitt guys that were at lunch pail, old school versus, you know, with the new new guys brought in. Um, you know, the, the, those old six guys that came in from free agency that were added after, they were, they were, they, 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 they got it. They understood it. They embraced it. And that was, that was made it even better. 
you know, because you, sometimes you, you worry in pro sports that, you know, the new mix of guys is it's not going to go with the old mix. And so I thought that they did a great job of front office and, and, and Sean did a great job of understanding who were those lunch pail, who were those football guy, guys, the good guys from, from, you know, the previous regime hold over that we can hold over that can mix with the guys I believe are, are that same type of player. And, um, you know, you watch the game last night and it just gives you it's it just totally for me goes, wow, man, look at look at Seminole, look at, you know, look at Shan, look at Shanley, look at Fajita, the way he played last night. I mean, that was the way he I, mean, I forgot how great he played last night in that game. Um, and then, you know, you, you see, um, you know, young guys like Roman Harper stepping up as a rookie. I mean, he played last night. I'm, I'm thinking I, I had. It, it, I had to re, re, you know, recheck the screen. You know, when his when his profile came, he was a rookie. He was playing like a ten year vet last night. So we just had um, a great group of guys that really understood, you know, what we were trying to do. We were trying to change the culture. We were trying to bring hope. We were trying to bring, you know, uh, just something back to the city that that you guys could be proud of. And I, and I think that we did did do that uh, that year. Which obviously, I believe that culture change in 06 is what propelled that you know that city to finally and that team to win their first Super Bowl. You know, Mike, uh, with Sean Payton, the interesting thing is watching it. You, you can see in 06 how it, the offense sort of evolved. But the question I have for you is, you know, with Sean Payton and Drew Brees, when did you as a player sort of realize, man, we got Drew and we got Sean, and that combination is just smarter and better than you and when did it become apparent to you how special it was in 06? Uh, probably, you know, I would say probably, you know, you, you felt it, you felt it building, you felt it brewing throughout, you know, training camp. Uh, and then, then those first three games, but I, I would say, you know, that San Francisco game. And then we roll into Dallas. I mean, just we we really started to to gel as an offense, and you could really tell that Sean and, and Drew uh, were really building that special relationship. You know, head coach, play caller to quarterback that that you know that we're still seeing today. I mean, I, I'm not surprised by you know what they've been able to accomplish together. It's the Bill Walsh Joe Montana remake, in my opinion. And, and and it's better in so many other in so many different ways because of where they're doing it. But yeah, that year, I mean, you, you could see that the, the young, bright mind, um, a guy that, that that really knew how to put all the pieces together. You even watched last night's game. Like my 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 boys kept going, "Hey, why isn't Drew throwing you the ball, Dad?" I'm like, "Hey, man." And I'm like, you know, <laughs> I got the ball every once in a while, but you know, last night that wasn't a part. That wasn't a part of Dad's role. You know, Dad was a blocker last night, and that's just it. Everybody else, you know, this. But you just see all the different, you know, little nuances, and 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 you saw all the, you know, person different personnel groups. And so Sean had, a, and Sean had, and continues to have a great, you know, a, a just a, you know, just a unbelievable way to kind of make make every, everyone work. Um, and he window dresses a lot. You know, you saw last night a lot of that fly motion with Reggie going around the back end, and then we hand the ball off to Deuce, and Deuce runs one for like 12 yards, 15 yards. So those are just things that he was able to do. And then with Drew's intelligence and ability to see defenses pre-snap and make the adjustments and, and, and make the checks is, you know, you guys are still, you guys are obviously still witnessing that today. Well, I'm, uh, well, so I, but watching the game, I will say, 
I was a little surprised to see such a commitment to the run, like just to see Reggie and yeah. Deuce get so many carries. And because, you know, you look at the offense now and I just I've seen those games where the Saints are up 20 to three at halftime. And and, and that to see him kick it inside the five, you know, it, it, yeah. just make it 20. That was surprising. I know that he's going for that these days. And yeah, he's definitely going for that. It's a, it's a much more uh, seasoned and and mature Sean Payton than, than you saw last night. So was yeah. that, is that just like the, so what's the difference there? Is it just like a confidence with Drew that like has, has developed yes. or was it the yes. game plan that night or, or what's the difference? Yeah. You know, well, you look at last night, you know, his first year as him being a head coach, right. And a play caller with a bunch of new guys. Uh, we had Marcus Colson, a rookie, right? We had Devry Henderson who was in his third year, but really that was his first year playing. Right, he was inactive in his rookie year, and he barely played at all in 05. So you had a lot of guys. You had, young, you had Reggie Bush as a rookie. You had Deuce coming off an ACL. Right, um, you had me last night coming off a calf. Uh, I tore my calf week one, sat out week two, fought my way back to play in that game. I was not going to miss you, that. Well, game. hold on, hold on. You, you were playing with a torn calf in that game. Yes, yes. Oh, wow. So week one, I tore my calf in Cleveland. I tore my gastroc and they told me I was going to be out for, for up to a month. I think it was four to six weeks. I said, no way that happened. So I, I sat out 10 days and I was back and I played. And I, so I played last night with basically one leg with a sleeve on it and a bunch of flex all. And I remember throughout the game and I'm, I, I, there's certain, even my wife last night goes, why are you limping? I go, because I tore my calf. Remember? She's like, oh my gosh. And I remember last night, there's certain, this is a certain plays where I've re- reached down towards it. Cause I've, Felt it re re tear a couple times during that game uh, in that game, so I was being kind of you know kind of eased in back into the offense. So you had all these different variables, is what I'm trying to tell you. You look at last night, and so I think he was just you know at that time that that's kind of where the game was. You know, you, you kicked the ball, you got points. Where now, you know, Sean and Drew have been together for so long that he has so much confidence that Drew can get get the job done, which he does pretty much every time. Uh, on fourth down, um, it, that just wasn't the case. You know, it was just a, a younger and, and just a different time on all those variables that I, I just mentioned about the offense and all the players that were involved. Yeah, I was going to ask you why Mark uh, Campbell was playing fullback on a couple of snaps. Now yeah, I know. Yeah, that's, that's, that's why. Yeah, that's why he, he was mixed in. He hated it. I mean, he. I remember in Green Bay, he, he, him and Ernie Conwell had to play fullback, and they would come off and be like, hey, man, when are you coming back? You know, <laughs> they, 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 they absolutely hated it. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, once again, I wasn't, that, you know, wasn't even supposed to be back for that game, but I found a way to get myself back. To the game. I was not going to miss that game. You, well, you were in a lot of iconic Saints games, and I, I asked uh, the same question to, to Jonathan Goodwin. Um, mm-hmm. do, do you feel like this – was the loudest the Superdome ever was? Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know, I wasn't there for the NFC Championship, you know, kick the beat the fight the Vikings to go to the Super Bowl. So I was I can't I can't speak for that game. I don't know if that game was louder. Um, but I I was there for the divisional game against the Eagles. And and um, it was louder than that. It was louder than that. Um, I think I think if you were to ask the Falcons, they, they especially the offense, they would tell you that they had some uh, they had a hard time getting off the ball. It was a, a definite advantage. You guys know this for a defensive front when you know the sound 
the offensive you know line and, and the quarterbacks are good. They're all going to have a hard time communicating with the receivers and, you know, for the old line getting off the ball, the snap, you, you know, you, you as a D line, you have a jump, but our D line was, they, uh, another component to last night, you know, that I saw that, man, they played out of their mind, but they, they were that, that extra advantage of the sound allows the D line to get an extra jump, you know, and it causes problems. And um, you saw that last night as well. Yeah. That was, a, I was going to say another, one of the guys that you talked about was sort of a foundation kind of and a glue guy was Brian Young. He was just a guy who. Oh my gosh, Brian Young. Yeah. You know? I mean, I mean, Joe Theismann kept calling him Bryant Young. Bryant <laughs> Bryant Young was the great. The Forty Niners. Yeah. Was, yeah. I mean, he's. I mean, he's Brian Young was people. I mean, he was kind of like the lost. He was like the heart and soul man. He, Brian. He, Brian Young was such a great player. God, he was a great player, and you guys saw that last night. I mean, he was. Brian Young was another lunch pail guy, and you know, not surprised he's still on the staff. You know, he's still there coaching. You know. Yeah. So, Mike, before we get out of here, how are you surviving the quarantine, Corona? How are you surviving being cooped <laughs> up in your house? Are you, are you are you are you avoiding going stir crazy? Uh, you know, you know what, man? Here's my deal. I, I'm a Jomo guy anyway. I'm a joy of missing out. Uh, you know, most people are fear of missing out, FOMO, right? So. My daily routine is, is hasn't really changed from what I normally do anyways with this quarantine. Difference is kids are home, having a homeschool them, and, you know, they can get crazy. They're running around in circles in between their Zoom classes and going, hey, you're not be able to do this in class. So, I mean, you end, up, you end up being kind of the principal, the referee, you know, to get them kind of back on track. But I got a gym in my garage. I can go in my garage and work out. You know, we have a nice neighborhood I can run around and. Um, unfortunately this week we have a lot of rain, so you can't get outside much, but it hasn't been that bad watching a lot of movies, you know, wrestling with the boys, you know, staying busy that way. But, uh, you know, hopefully this thing can, can come to an end soon just so we can get back to our, our, uh, regular lives. I know we're all probably fighting the same fight. Um, if we don't have my story is no different than anybody else's, but if we don't have football, it is what it is. I think America, yeah, there's no, I think that I, I think they need to play more more games. <laughs> <laughs> they need to re-air more football games. I just that night. I mean, I mean, I had more people blowing me up last night than it, I. I feel like I was still playing. You know, so it's amazing what football does for people, right? I mean, yeah, take, well, Mike, takes people's minds off off of things. Yeah, it was it was great. New Orleans treated it like a game day. They told kids to on their Zoom classes to make it a black and gold day. The Saints treated oh, yeah. it like a game day. Media was treating it like game day, like an hour before. They're like the inactives or this, and yeah. WWL played the radio broadcast. It was fantastic. <laughs> I'm great. curious. I'm That's curious great. to see the ratings of the game in New Orleans. I wonder That's, how many. You know what? Watched. That's funny you say that because I asked my wife last night. I go, I wonder what the ratings for this game will be. Uh, I'd be I'd be curious to find that out myself. I mean, if they're really good, you have to wonder if at some point ESPN says, hey, if we really care about our ratings, maybe we should be playing Saints games every Monday night <laughs> during this quarantine. Right, right, right. right. Uh, I, do, it, I, it, it, I, I don't know if they'll do that if, if only the, the Gulf Coast has the highest ratings. <laughs> yeah. Right. They've been playing – it's they've been playing some great stuff they though. Play. I mean, uh, hopefully they just don't yeah. play any bad moments for the Saints. But Mike, thanks no, for joining yeah, us, they're, guy. They're definitely we, playing a, we, playing. They're, they're only going to play the ones with the highest ratings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mike, no blow. Thanks. No blowout games. You're not going to see that. You're going to see no, that no. you saw last night. No, 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 <laughs> no, 
No, no horrible Saints games. No 2017 and, and Minnesota. Did, didn't they do the? Didn't the NBC Sports do one of the Saints Chargers from 12 or 13? Yeah. The night Drew, they 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 did one. So other networks are are airing Saints games too. Yeah, that was That's that game thing. was sur- that game was surreal to watch to have Sean Payton on the sideline and the Saints having a having an interim interim coach. And uh, right, <laughs> right. A little, little weird. A little. It gets, the should, further you get away they, from it, the more weird it is, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know what? I think even I think Sunday night football should should be re-airing some of their better games. I mean, they maybe people might maybe other networks might start taking note you know, from last night. But we'll see. <laughs> I love it, Mike. Thanks for joining us, guys. You can find Mike on Twitter, uh, Mike. We appreciate you joining us, guys. Everybody out there, stay safe and be well. And we. We'll see you again tomorrow.